Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Rick Benjamin. Thank you, Reed. Love you so much. You and Mariah, such great people. What a blessing you are to Unite Church. Thank you, Zach and Jen Nice, for being here today, leading our worship time, our singing time. Thank you for coming to Alaska for this time. What a blessing. Thanks to all of you for being here, yes, on a holiday weekend, even the traditional end of summer. I looked it up on AccuWeather. I counted during the months of June, July, and August, 45 days of 70 degrees or better. That might not be the official number, but that's a pretty good number for Alaska summer, and hope you enjoyed it and didn't miss it with all the drama in the background during all these sunny days in Alaska. My name is Rick Benjamin. I was born in Alaska in Anchorage in 1956, been part of this church my whole life. Is it possible 60 plus years I've been part of this church? Wow. Lifelong Christian, married to my wife Dolores, 42 years this summer, two young adult sons, thank you. One grandson, nine years old, his name is Tucker, he's doing school online. Wow, let's just go into intercession right now. <laughs> what a challenge that is for all of us parents and grandparents who are the backup teachers at home. Wow, what a time. God is faithful through it all. Love being a Christian, love Jesus. Always been crazy about him, love the Bible. I grew up on the Bible. I love reading the Bible still. I love learning new things from the Bible. Anybody else like learning something new from the Bible? Me too. So I hope you learned something new today from the Bible. Thank God. The message, yeah, 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read all 21 verses of 1 John 5 from the New International Version. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. 
If you see any of your brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Let's pray and pray for me. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do pray in Jesus' name. Like you said there, we come to you with confidence. We know that you hear us. We sit here and pray in Anchorage, Alaska, and you hear us in heaven as we speak these words to you now. Thank you that Jesus came and lived and died and made a way for us to have this relationship with you that we can speak to you like this, boldly, with confidence. We thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for Jesus, most of all. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for one another, the body of Christ, that we can gather like this today and worship you together. Thank you for your spirit who's with us always and lives inside of us. Thank you for the Bible, the very words of God. Thank you that you wrote it down through these men like John and preserved it for us and translated it for us so we can have it now. God, thank you for all these blessings. Please speak to us now, including me. Speak to us through the Bible by the Spirit. Teach me as I teach them, God, whatever gift you've entrusted to me. Let it flow through me to your people today. To feed us, yes, so we can learn more about you, but most of all to challenge us to become more like you, Jesus, and to be closer to you and to be more equipped to go after this service today into our world this week and bring you to our world. In Jesus' name, we pray. We thank you for all these blessings. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we've been doing this series from this letter, 1 John, this whole summer. Today's the last message in the series. We learned about John, who he was, one of the fishermen disciples, James and John, his brother, Andrew and Peter, the fishermen Jesus called to follow him. Jesus called John and his brother James the sons of thunder. It's because they were kind of loud guys, and it was in a context where they maybe engaged their mouth before they engaged their brains, you know, and he called them sons of thunder. But John was also one of Jesus' closest disciples in the Gospel of John, which he also wrote. He liked to call himself the one that Jesus really loved. I was right there next to him. Now it's about 60 years later. After the death and resurrection of Christ, John was probably the last living of those 12 apostles, a very old man, maybe in his 80s by this time. And he kept calling them little children, like he said in that last verse we saw there. He called himself the elder. And you know, he probably was. He might have been the oldest living Christian and for sure the last of those 12 apostles. John was writing to warn his little believers, his little children, against a dangerous heresy back then called Gnosticism. You heard about this during the series, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. The Gnostics, they were called, they taught that 
Salvation didn't come from faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross. They taught salvation came from having this special knowledge. So the word Gnostic means the knowing ones. What were they saying? We're the ones who really know. We're the Gnostics. We know the deep inner esoteric knowledge that you guys, you lower people out there, do not know. If you only knew what we knew, then you would have the real thing and you would know salvation. It was like that. John is saying true knowledge comes to everyone. Is anybody else glad? Any other garden variety Christians like me that are happy you don't have to be smarter or elite or something? It's for all of us through Jesus and the gospel. So the words for know and knowing, 42 times in 1 John, eight times in the words we just read today. You may have noticed that. Are there Gnostics today? Yeah. Many of the cults that are around us in the world today pick up some of their stuff from Gnostics. And by the way, watch out for these words. Listen to this. I've got a special revelation. God has revealed something to me that nobody else knows. A little red flag should go up in your mind. And that happens in some churches sometimes. So just remember that. That idea of, I know something the rest of you don't know. Isn't it good you're here today to get my knowledge that nobody else knows? Well, watch out. That's a little bit of Gnosticism. Yes, it's still with us today. It is. These Gnostics back then, they taught that uh, human bodies of flesh, anything material was evil. So God could never become a man of flesh. They taught that Jesus was not divine. He only appeared that way, they said. They taught that since bodies don't matter, this is kind of a strange paradox, whatever you did with your body didn't matter either. So they lived in wild promiscuity and sin. And they thought it just doesn't matter. How about that? It led to kind of a license to all kinds of sin. It was very dangerous. And John the Elder, the father, was kind of mad. He was still a son of thunder, okay? And there's some thunder in 1 John, and there's some thunder in these words we read today. We'll see. Chapter 1 was all about walking in the light. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. The ideal for us Christians is walk in the light, which basically means don't sin. That's how simple that is because sin does matter. It does affect relationship with one another, even with God in a way. But if and when we do sin, praise God for 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Chapter 2, Mariah taught about Jesus' command to love one another. John became the apostle of love. That was his great message. And the way we show we're really Jesus' followers is by living the way Jesus did in this world, by living lives of love. So the word for love occurs 47 times in these five chapters. Love, love, love. Chapter 2 is also about the false Christ and the false prophets going out into the world and how we have the true spirit, the real deal, the genuine article, the spirit himself, the spirit of truth inside of us. Chapter 3 begins with how great is the love of God that we should be called the children of God. What manner of love the Father has lavished on us. Just the wonder of being God's children. Don't ever get over the wonder of being a child of God. It's still the greatest thing that ever happened to any of us. And then he goes on in chapter 3, the truth that when you're born of God, you don't continue to sin. 
And then chapter 3 and chapter 4, mainly about that message again, love one another. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God because God is love, he says. And another warning about false prophets. Last Sunday, Eleanor was here teaching about false prophets and true prophets. That was great. Now we come to chapter 5. The last words from the elder. Somebody said, this chapter is like your mom talking to you when you're heading off for school. You remember that? You're getting ready, eating your breakfast, putting on your coat, and your mom's saying a bunch of things. Did you get your lunch? Where's your homework? By the way, don't forget to be kind. You're going to be late. By the way, I love you. Just all these little messages from your parent. Wait, you forgot your shoes. You know, stuff like that. This is kind of what happens here. 1 John chapter 5 is like the book of Proverbs. You know what I mean? Every verse is its own little message. Don't take this wrong. It's like a list of fortune cookies, you know, with all these little words and sayings, but there's not really like one big theme all the way through. You'll see what I mean, like that last verse, the, the way he ended. Did you see that? Oh, by the way, don't follow idols. <laughs> Mic drop. That's the end? <laughs> he didn't say God bless you or grace and peace to you. Oh, one more thing. Don't follow the idols. Bye. <laughs> it really is like that. Thanks for assigning me 1 John chapter 5. I really I appreciate it. Verse 2 and 3, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. He kept saying these things all the way through 1 John. And by the way, beloved sisters and brothers, there are commands for us in the New Testament, commands for us to obey. We love being on this side of the cross. Praise God for the New Testament and the gospel of grace. But it doesn't mean there's no more commands for us in the New Testament. There are. Did you know that nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament many, many times? It's true. The one that wasn't was the one about the Sabbath. That one kind of changed somehow. No, there's commands for us in the New Testament, especially, of course, this command, love one another. And, that, you know, John was there in that upper room that night. John 14, verse 15, where Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. That's right. John remembered that. But praise God, like he said in the very next verse, verse 3, his, his commands are not burdensome. It's not the same as the Old Testament Mosaic law with 613 commands they had to obey, and nobody ever did except one person, and that was Jesus. Praise God, his commands are not burdensome. Remember what Jesus himself said, these beautiful words, Matthew 11, verse 30, my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. Praise God. Why is that so? Because he comes to live inside of us, and by his grace and by his spirit, he gives us the desire and the power to obey his commands, and that's why his commands for us are not burdensome. John kept making all these black and white statements all the way through 1 John. Sometimes it's kind of rough. Have you noticed that? This is 1 John 3, verse 10. So now we can tell who the children of God and the children of the devil are. 
Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. He did that all the way through these five chapters. It's very binary. It goes like this. Verse 1, if you love each other, you're born of God. Verse 2, if you hate your brother, you're of the devil. Verse 3, if you love God, you'll keep his commands. Verse 4, if you don't keep his commands, you're going to hell. It's almost like that. I'm overstating. So when you teach 1 John, you want to teach every other verse. <laughs> Let's just kind of skip over the even-numbered ones and just, you see what I'm saying? But when you teach the Bible, listen, you don't get to skip over the verses you don't like. You got to teach the bad news and the good news, and that's what John does. And really, there's some thunder, and he was very blunt and direct. So what do all these verses mean, and how do we apply them? I'm going to try to summarize now what we've been doing for these weeks and these five chapters. One, here's what John is not saying. He's not saying we're saved by obeying commands or loving people. You've got to get this. That would be salvation by works. That would be me obeying enough and loving enough so I'm enough to get saved. That's legalism. It never worked. It never will. And John knew better. John knew salvation was by God's grace and faith in Jesus, by believing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and not by our works. And he said so in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's how you get born of God. So he's not saying loving people and obeying God and not sinning is the way to get saved. He's not saying that. Two, John is not saying that a Christian who keeps on sinning continuously or disobeying God's commands or hates other people is no longer a Christian. That's what I just said. That's not what John meant. He was not saying... This is what happens if you keep on sinning, if you hate your brother, you become an ex-Christian. More about that later. Stay tuned. Number three, John is not saying we should go around judging each other. Hey, sister, are you hating her? That means you're not saved. <laughs> hey, my brother, I noticed you were sinning back there. Guess what? You're not a Christian. Aren't you glad I'm here to judge you? He's not giving us permission to go around using those words to judge our brothers and sisters. But someone did say, no, we're not supposed to be judges, but we are supposed to be fruit inspectors. Hmm. I heard you say, hmm. Think about that. Last week, Eleanor said, she quoted from Jesus, Matthew 7, by their fruit you will know them. A good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit, and so on. So what is John saying when he says, this means you're a Christian, this means you're not? Here's what I believe he's saying. John is saying that obeying God, keeping his commands, loving other people are the fruit of really being a Christian. If you really have faith in Jesus as the Son of God, that fruit will come out of your life. This is how we know who a Christian is and who is not a Christian. Listen to the message paraphrase. The reality test 
on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? Do we keep his commands? These are the reality tests. This is the fruit. Watch a person. If they become a Christian and they really became a Christian, what comes out of their life? Obedience, holiness, and love for other people. It's guaranteed. It's the fruit. The tree has now become good. Now that good tree is producing that good fruit. And this is how we know. Of course, John is still talking about those Gnostics. He's saying, look at them. They think they're better than the rest of us. They practice sin continuously. They are not Christians. Yes, and you can make that statement just because you're being a good fruit inspector. Are you following this? That's what he's saying we believe. And there's one more thing about these words. No, you're not supposed to judge others. But you might use these words to judge yourself. When I read 1 John, it challenges me. I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian. I know that I'm a child of God. But once in a while, I use these words to challenge myself. Am I obeying God's commands? How am I doing? Do I continually sin? No, I don't think so. Do I love my brothers and sisters? Is there anybody I hate? I'm inspecting my own fruit now. Maybe that's the best way to approach all this. Use this as a way to check yourself. I think it's 2 Corinthians 13. Test yourself, Paul said. See if you're really in the faith. How do I test myself? Use the words of John here. That's how. Okay. These questions challenge me. They make me want to repent if I'm aware of sin in my life. They make me want to work on relationships so I love my brother and sister. And that's a good thing. All right. Moving on. Verse 4 and 5. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Here's those good verses we like to hear about, all right? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a lot in 1 John about our enemies. Here's one, the world, which means not the people in the world. We love them. It means that world system around us, that culture around us, which is anti-God and anti-Jesus. And he's saying... Because you believe in Jesus, you already have the victory. You already have overcome the world. And he talks about the devil and even our own sinful flesh nature. There's a lot in 1 John about the victory. If you're a believer in Jesus today, you have the victory. You've overcome the world already. Like Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Praise the Lord. Then he talked about something interesting. Like I said, Another fortune cookie. Another message now. Here we go. He came by the Spirit, the water, and the blood. What was that all about? Verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit testifies. What is all of this about? Well, the water is probably talking about when Jesus was baptized in water. Remember that story in the Gospels? The River Jordan, John the Baptist, Jesus got baptized in water. And the blood is probably talking about his blood that he shed on the cross. When you think about it then, his baptism was the first day of Jesus' ministry, and then his death on the cross was the end of his ministry. Follow that? Okay. The Gnostics, those rascally Gnostics again, they taught that Jesus was only a man, and then when he got baptized, sort of God came upon him, like God kind of invaded him. 
and then he had his ministry, and then when he was dying on the cross, they taught that the God part of Jesus escaped from his body. What did that mean? Well, of course, they couldn't imagine God being in flesh or God dying, so that's what they said. It means that who died on the cross? Just a man, not the Son of God. You see the problem. Lots of people died on crosses. Maybe they died as heroes and martyrs and all the rest. But a man like me dying for me is not enough to save me. It can't be just Jesus the carpenter, a man who died on the cross, however sacrificial his death might have been. No. So John is saying, no, 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 no. He was the Son of God all the way through. Yes, when he was baptized, remember the Spirit was there. When he was baptized by John, the words came out of the sky. They could hear these words. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God was testifying, to use John's words. And then on the cross, it was God the Son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man. He died for us on the cross. He wasn't like any other man ever before or since. The absolutely unique one-of-a-kind Jesus, the Son of God. I can say it this way. My God died for me. And that means he was enough to overcome my sin and my death and take all that away from me. Thank God. And he shed his blood and died for me on the cross. Hebrews 2. He became flesh that by the grace of God he should taste death for every man, it says. That's what happened there. The spirit, the water, and the blood. Again, John was countering this heresy that was going around. But listen to this. Did you know the spirit, the water, and the blood applies to all of us too? Because that was the way God testified, he said, the way God affirmed that Jesus was his son. In a similar way, God affirms that you and I are sons and daughters of God by the blood and the water and the spirit. The blood, when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, and his blood shed for us on the cross, we become children of God. The water, when you and I are baptized in water, committing our lives to follow Jesus. And the Spirit, when he comes to live inside of us, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive his power to be a witness for him. The same thing happens to us. The threefold witness, the testimony that we are God's children too. That's beautiful. And so he goes to verse 11. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's how simple it is. I love these verses, and I have to tell you a particular reason why I love these two verses in 1 John 5. My father, Dick Benjamin, great minister, pastor, founder of this church all those years ago, He's been in heaven now for about a year. Hooray. I'm glad he missed 2020. Praise the Lord. Way back in the 1960s and 70s, my dad did a live teaching show on television. He did it for about 13 years. Anybody ever see my dad's TV show? Okay. He didn't actually record church services. He would study and prepare just messages to teach to that broader audience every Sunday afternoon. It was a half-hour show. And I remember this because I would go with them sometime down to the studio on Sunday afternoon. I'd be hanging around while they were doing all this. There was my dad teaching into a TV camera. I think he was the first live color broadcast in Alaska, as a matter of fact. 
kind of bit of history. That, that show was nice. It was great. And this was the name of the show. Ready? He gave it a name. The name of the TV show was Life in the Son of God. And every time the announcer would say, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, King James Version. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It just brings back nostalgia and missing my dad and great memories of what he did all those years and because, why did he choose those words? Because that is the theme of his show, because that's the theme of our Christian life. Life in the Son of God. That's what it's all about. Under that theme, he could teach everything, and he did. In a way, that's the theme of 1 John. It's the theme John shows for this epistle. Life in the Son of God. It's all about life in the Son of God. Praise God. Next verse, verse 13. He wrote these things. He tells us who and why. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Isn't that interesting? He's not trying to evangelize people outside the church. He's writing to his children, to believers in the church, so that they would believe. He's writing to the ones who already know so that they would know. Interesting, isn't it? It's one thing to believe and something else to really believe. Okay? It's one thing to know and something else to really know. He's saying, I'm writing to you like that. The old preachers used to say, I want you to know it in your knower. The message paraphrase, my purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. He really wanted to pound this into us. I want you not just to know about, I want you to know. And I'm going to say it later. I want you just, not just to know knowledge and facts and information. I want you to know someone. It's not what you know, it's who you know. I want you to know someone. I want you to truly, deeply know him without a shadow of a doubt. I love that. Okay, confidence, he said. Confidence in approaching God. Verse 14 and 15. We can have that kind of confidence. I love what he said. As we ask, then he hears us. And then he said, we already have what we asked of him. It's like the asking is already in the past tense. In the present tense, we have the having, the receiving, what we ask from God. What a beautiful promise. We used to sing this song a long time ago. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything, I won't sing it. I'm not a good singer like Zach, but wow, I remember that, that verse. It reminds us of Hebrews 4. Come boldly before the throne of grace, the writer said, to receive grace to help in our time of need. When you approach God, no groveling necessary. You don't have to beg. You're a child of God. You march right in, into the presence of God, and just start talking. Open up your mouth, and he hears us. This is confidence. In his presence, 1 John 3 said, Dear friends, we can come to God with bold confidence. I love that. Because you're a child of the king. Then he goes into something else. Famous words at the end from our father, from the elder, from John. Verse 16. When you see your brother or sister commit a sin. How about that? Notice he didn't say if you see your brother. Well, maybe he did. He did say if. Okay, I'm going to say when. <laughs> 
because Christians do sin, and John said that too in 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, he said before. Christians do sin, and sometimes we see it. This is kind of like being a fruit inspector again. Or sometimes you hear about it, or sometimes someone tells you about it. Be careful of that. That could be gossip. When you see a fellow believer's sin, what are you supposed to do? Ask yourself that question now. If you see a fellow brother or sister in Christ sin, what do you do? Answer, many of us do nothing. And we're not supposed to do nothing if and when we see a brother or sister sin. Galatians 6.1, dear brothers and sisters, if a brother, another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I love that. If you're really spiritual, you know, I could be tempted too. So I got to be careful as I reach out to my brother or sister. James 5, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. What do you do when a brother or sister sins and you see it? Here's what you do. You pray. That's what John said. Pray for that brother or sister. God, help them. God, convict them. God, bring them back. God, help them overcome that. And the rest of the verses said, gently lead them back into the truth and consider yourself. You might be tempted too and bring them back into the truth. We're supposed to look out for each other. That's what he's saying. It's one of those great one another's. It goes under the greatest one another. Love one another. If you love one another, you'll look out for each other. And if you see somebody sin, do something. Reach out in love and be humble and gentle about it. Amen. Then he said those scary words, and we're not going to skip them. 1 John 5, 16, there is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying you should pray about that. Yikes. <laughs> those words kind of give you a chill. Nobody writes worship songs based on that verse right there, Zach. A sin that leads to death. What does this mean? I don't know. But I'll tell you what I think. Probably John is talking about the Gnostics one last time. Their heresy, their rejection of Jesus as God's son in the flesh was a sin unto death. He's probably saying what they're doing, listen to this, don't even pray for them. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Those people are so lost and so far gone, don't even pray for them. Wow. But I'll tell you something else, and not everybody agrees with this, but I'm going to tell you what I believe. He's probably warning us believers about the sin of apostasy. A-P-O-S-T-A-S-Y. The word means to fall away or actually to stand away. Apostasy is really to turn away from the faith and Jesus and salvation. I'm one of the ones that believes the New Testament warns Christians against this very real spiritual danger of apostasy, a sin unto death. Now, let me say this very quickly. I believe that sin is very rare, and I believe it cannot be done accidentally. It has to be done on purpose. Isn't that awesome that someone would want to turn away from Jesus and salvation that much? They would do it on purpose. It can be done. A strong statement. Wow. But that's what I believe. He's probably once again warning us about that. Not my subject today, 
And like John did, I'll move on to the next subject. Because after saying those scary words, in the very next verse, he says some of the most encouraging and powerful words about our security in Jesus and in our salvation. He intentionally is balancing himself. Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one, capital O, that's Jesus, the one who is born of God, keeps us safe, and the evil one cannot harm us. I love that. New Living Translation, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. He said it again. Christians don't continue to sin or make a lifestyle of sin or deliberately keep on sinning. Amen. In fact, one more thing about that. Back in chapter 3, John said, if you are born of God, you cannot continue to sin. He said, because the seed of God lives in you. That's 1 John 3, 9. Did you hear that? He's saying salvation is so powerful. Even if you wanted to keep on sinning, you couldn't do it because you're really saved. By the way, it's been tried. <laughs> there are Christians who have the seed of God in them. They're God's children, and they try to keep on sinning. And they're the most miserable creatures on the earth. I've had friends go through that. I've heard the stories. They're miserable in the church because they know they're wrong. They're living in sin, and they're constantly feeling guilty and condemned. They're miserable in the world because they can't really enjoy their sin because they know they're wrong out there too. They're just wrong both ways. They're miserable. And they thought, what, why are they miserable? Because they're saved. And salvation inside them is driving them crazy. And they finally have to make a choice and surrender. Okay. I'm coming back to you, my father. You're, you're my father still. I'm a prodigal son. I'm your daughter. I'm coming back to you. That's what has to happen. Amen. But he's saying, if you live the way God has empowered you to live, then God's son holds you. Think about that. Jesus holding you, holding me, secure in him, safe from another enemy, the devil, the evil one. He can't harm us or even touch us. In Jesus, we're untouchable. He can't even touch us. Wow. I'm going to be personal for a minute. This is how I've always lived my Christian life. I never worry about losing my salvation or turning away from the Lord, not for one minute. I'm secure in God's love for me, always have been, always will be. My salvation in Jesus, solid. Even on my worst day, even when I'm really messing up in ways I'm not going to share with you today, amen. The relationship here is never at risk, never. I know that. I'm secure in his hands. I'm a child of God. And really, I think that's how John and the Lord himself intends for all of us to live the Christian life. Not in fear, not wondering, not doubting, but knowing, knowing, knowing really deeply that I have eternal life and I am a child of God. That's what he's saying, and that's how he ends up. Did you see verse 18, 19, and 20? Verse 18, we know anyone born of God. 19, we know we are children of God. 20, we know the Son of God has come. Bam, 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 three more times. Brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, one and all, you can really know what you really know. Because our faith is not just about what we know. It is about who we know. It's not just knowledge and facts and information. 
most of us Christians have our heads full of Bible knowledge and facts and doctrine and information. That's all wonderful and great. I believe in all of it. It's really about knowing someone through relationship with him. It's not what you know. It's who you know. The message says, we know the Son of God came so we could recognize, understand the truth of God. What a gift. And we are living in the truth itself, in God's Son, Jesus Christ, the one who said, I am the truth. Not just I teach the truth or I'm bringing the truth. He said, look at me. I am the truth. And if you know Jesus, you know the truth. The truth is him. Again, John was there in that upper room, and Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and began to pray. God the Son speaks to God the Father, and John was there. This is good. i got to write this down. And Jesus prayed like this, John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. My title today, Faith in What We Know and Faith in Who We Know. Amen. And he ends up in verse 20. Now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Summarizing now, from John, the son of thunder, who became the apostle of love, the elder, if we have faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. It'll show by the fruit of loving one another and keeping God's commands. God affirms our salvation by the blood the water and the spirit. Faith gives us victory over the world and the devil. Faith gives us life in Jesus and confidence in prayer. When we see a fellow believer sin, we can reach out in prayer and love and bring him back. All of us, you and me, regular garden variety Christians like you and me, we can really know what we really know and live secure in salvation in Jesus because of faith not just in what we know, but faith in the one, capital O, the one we know, Jesus himself. Uh, by the way, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.